Hallelujah. Without further ado, as you know, Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny are out of town. And so we have a special guest speaker. He's a son from inside the house. He's amazing. He's a fire blazer. And um, I want to introduce my good brother and friend and powerful minister. Give it up for your very own, David O. Hallelujah. Um, I'm so blessed by the testimonies that are rising out of every department of our church here at Living Hope Christian Center. And um, just to testify to God's goodness, pouring out the miracles, and then in Mozambique to see God working powerfully there. Um, I'm just so blessed by the work that God is doing amongst us and through this house. And I feel so privileged to be here today. I just want to get started by saying an opening prayer. If you could just bow your heads with me. Father God, I stand in awe of you, Father God. I stand in awe of the things that you are doing, Father God, in this house and through us, Father God. I pray, Father God, that today, Lord God, you would speak through your word, Father God. You would fill us with the knowledge, Father God, of your word, of your Holy Spirit, of the man named Jesus Christ, Father God, as you propel us forward into our destinies, Father God. So come have your way, Father God, in this house. We invite you in this place, Lord God. Your glory is already dwelling amongst us and inside of our hearts, Father God. I pray that you bring about a testimony and the power of your Holy Spirit to bring about divine revelation that will take us to a new season, Father God, of loving one another, Father God, as we go forth, Father God, in our message of the fellowship of the burning heart. Come have your way, God. In all these things, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, um, first of all, so great to be here and to be on this stage and and sharing it with you guys. Um, God's been doing a great work in my life. And For the past year, it's crazy how far that he's brought me and how far he's brought me in sonship. You know, and I've seen myself develop and I've seen myself grow and mature. But as I grow and develop and mature, I see that God is growing and maturing me in the heart of the father, in the heart of the father. And as I and as I grow, I see that God keeps highlighting to me relationships, relationships. You know, I grew up and I was very much the lone wolf type of guy. I mean, I grew up where I don't need help from nobody because I can do it on my strength. I don't need your help because at the end of the day, I'm going to be the one who gets myself through it. And that's the way that I grew up. And the more that I come into the revelation of God, I see that it is the body of Christ that builds me up, that allows me to go forward and propels me forth into my destiny. And that is sonship. That's what it means to come into the body of Christ, that we build each other up and then we go forward in the revelation of God, and forth into our destinies. You know, um, my life has been a journey of discovering my purpose. And I know we talk about it at Abba Conference, but our purpose, my identity, and then my nature and my mission. You know, I always had like an intimate relationship with God that I never could explain. And because I had that intimate, intimate relationship with God, I kind of shunned other people. I said, I don't need other people because I got God. And if I'm intimate with God, why do I need other people? It's just me and God, right? At the end of the day, when we pass from this world, it's going to be me and God. It's not going to be me and other people, right? And that's the mentality that I had. But God first revealed to me my purpose, and that is to be loved by God. 
And after that, by purpose, he revealed me into my identity, which is the son of God. And when I realized this, I realized that as I am being loved by God, I am released into my identity, which allows me to love myself. See, growing up, I could never love myself. And so the reason why I was alone was because I was afraid of being hurt by other people. When I was hurt by other people, I ran away from them. I shunned them. And I went back to God and said, God, it's just me and you, right? It's just me and you, right? I don't need other people. When they hurt me, it's okay. I don't need other people because it's just me and you. But God brought me into the revelation that first our purpose is to be loved by God. And then I love God. And then he brings me into my identity that I am a son of God. And then I learn to love myself. But we're in a season now where we're moving into our nature and our mission. And I want to say that today our mission is very closely tied to the idea of loving others. Loving others others when god calls us to our destiny when god calls us to preach the gospel when god calls us to go into our jobs and be a minister to there pastor benjamin says we are full-time ministers the job the ministry it is a ministry of love of loving one another and if we're not firmly rooted first in our purpose and an identity which is to be loved by god which then allows us to love ourselves we can't go forward into our mission which is to love others you know relationships relationships are very important and god has given relationships to us because relationships prosper us there's something inside of relationships something special that god wants to give us but the enemy knows this and so the enemy is trying to rob us of our relationships he's trying to rob us of our relationships he wants to rob us of the inheritance of the anointing and the blessings that are flowing forth from the relationships that we have with each other and outside of the church he wants to rob rob them away so what does he do he brings offense and he brings hurt and when that hurt and when that offense comes we say i don't need relationships anymore it's okay i don't need to be in good relationship with that person because it doesn't matter because i'm good with god right all i need is god right i don't need that other person But I'm telling you what, the enemy wants to rob you of your mission. The enemy wants to rob you of your mission and your mission to love other people. Because God has a grand design and he has a purpose for the relationships in your life. And it's to prosper you and it's to grow you. See, God wants to see that relationships are a good thing. But this good thing is the very thing that the enemy is attacking in our lives. You know... I feel like God is attacking marriages. He's attacking marriages. And I'm 26 and I'm not married. So I can stand up here and y'all can judge me and say, what does this man know about marriages, right? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know much. I'm not in a marriage. But I saw the marriage of my father and mother. And that gave me some perspective of how God, I mean, the enemy is attacking the institution of marriage. Yes, Lord. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, It says that God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Let me say that again. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And it's curious because Adam, if we think about it, he was in perfect relationship with God. He was in perfect relationship with God. And yet God said it is not good for him to be alone. You see, God is already highlighting relationships in our life and how it is not that we need it, but that it is good. It is good for our lives. And the enemy wants to rob us of that very thing. You know, Adam stood inside of the garden and God called all of the animals to him. And then Adam was was naming each of the animals. And then God said it is not good for this man to be alone. 
There's no suitable helper for him. You know the institution of marriage? As God lays out here, God wants to send a helper to help you rule. See, Adam was ruling, but there was no suitable helper for him to rule the kingdom that God had placed before him. The institution of marriage is the, mar- is, is the union of two people coming together so that you can rule and take dominion here on the earth. He wants to give you a suitable helper, but the enemy wants to take that helper away from you. But God has said, it is not good for you to be alone. You know, in America, we talk about how the enemy is attacking the institution of marriage. But marriage is just part and parcel to the bigger thing that the enemy is doing. He's attacking relationships as a whole. You know, in Exodus, the commandment states to honor your father and mother. And Bex was here not too long ago, and she was preaching a powerful, powerful message on what it means to honor your father and mother. And I was meditating on that verse. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. And it led me to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 2. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. You see in Exodus, in the commandment, it says, honor your father and mother. That you may live long in the land and prosper. See, the enemy, he wants to take away the promise. He wants to take away the promise that God has laid out in all of our relationships. And honoring in your father and mother, God promised that we would live long and prosper in the land. But the enemy knows this. And so he's attacking. He's attacking our relationships with our father and mothers because he wants to steal us. He wants to rob us of the promises and of the goodness that God has destined inside of our relationships. Are you guys hearing me today? Hallelujah. You know, another institution that the enemy is attacking, the promises that he's trying to keep us away from is our relationship with our spiritual mother and father inside of this house. You know, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this, and I know we've all heard it before, but it says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So we see that even in the scripture, our relationship with our spiritual mother and father, it's a benefit to us. It's a benefit to us to come under submission and to have confidence in their leadership. They provide covering for us and safety. I know that when my father and my spiritual mother say that I can do it, I know that I can do it because they're covering me. And whatever they say, that is their word and their word is my inheritance. And so I take it. I take it. Their wisdom. I take it. And you see that wisdom in that word. You know, as sons, it becomes their ceiling becomes my floor. We talk about that a lot, right? Like their ceiling becomes our floor. And it reminds me of a common adage that we have in society where we say, if I have seen farther, it's because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. Well, let me say one thing. You can share a similar perspective of your spiritual mother and father and see the same thing. But it's only sons, sons who stand on the top of their shoulders that they see farther. See, a lot of us have allowed our hurt and a lot of our offense and a lot of our, out of our bitterness and old garbage to keep us from standing on the, on the shoulders of giants of our spiritual covering. And so our hurt has kept us on the sidelines. And we're fooling ourselves to think that if we're standing next to them, that we see farther because we share a similar perspective. We may act like them. We may talk like them. But are we standing on their shoulders? Sons stand on the shoulders of giants. They don't merely stand next to them and share a similar perspective. Sharing a p- similar perspective is only fooling 
yourself. God is calling sons who would stand on the shoulders, uh, shoulders of giants. But that takes relationship to stand on their shoulders. I just see a picture of a father picking up his son and putting him in on his shoulders and saying, you are my son. Take this advantage and see farther. Fathers lift up sons and they put them on their shoulders. And from that perspective, they see farther. But are you standing on the sidelines? Have you let your hurt and offense keep you from standing on the shoulders of, gi- of giants? You know, another area that the enemy is attacking is um, our relationships in the body of Christ. Our relationships here with each other inside of the church. You know, the body of Christ is there to build up and edify one another. We see in Corinthians when Paul, he lays out all the spiritual gifts. There's prophecy, there's miracles, there's helps. But you know what the purpose of all of those things is to build up the body and it's to edify the body. But you see, the enemy wants to keep you outside of the church and keep you outside of the body so that you do not experience that fellowship. You are not encouraged by the testimonies and the prophecies of the people's house. You are not built up by the miracles that are happening inside of the house it's the offense it's the offense that the enemy is trying to bring that's trying to separate us from the church and separate us from the blessings you know um the enemy is trying to rob us he's trying to rob us of these things the enemy comes to lie cheat steal kill and destroy and he's coming to destroy our relationships because he wants to keep us from the promises of god We have got to see this. The enemy is attacking our relationship. And we got to identify the relationships that he's he's attacking. And we got to take back what's ours. We got to take back our relationship. We got to stand on the promises of God and take back what's ours. So what do we have to do? I want to go to a passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 25. And I'm just going to highlight the first part. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. You know, when I'm wrong, um, it's very easy for me to apologize. I'm just going to say it. It's easy for me to apologize when I know I'm wrong because I get strong conviction And God says, you know what? You're wrong. So grow up and apologize. But you know what? There's a lot of times when you feel like the other person's wrong, right? When that other person has wronged you. When that other person has wronged you. So you kind of sit there and you're going to be like, you know what? Well, um, I'm just going to wait for that person, right? I'm going to wait for that person to come to me and apologize. Because it's really their fault, right? It's really their fault. So why should I be the first one to go and initiate? Why should I apologize? Isn't it that person's fault? Well, I feel that God wants us, and I'm just going to say, God wants us to grow up. God wants us to grow up because so many times we spend time playing the blame game. Who did what? Who did who? It's your fault. It's my fault. It doesn't matter. God wants us to grow up because the important thing is the relationship. The important thing is the relationship, and the enemy is trying to rob us with who did what. Who did who? Let's play the blame game. Oh, you hurt me, so I'm going to wait. And what did it do? He's lying to you. He's cheating you from the promise of God and from relationship. You know, in my relationship with my father, um, you know, when I was young, my father was very abusive. Not only abusive to 
me, but I have five brothers and sisters. It, it, it carried down and it flowed forth from the top to the bottom. I'm the youngest. And not only that, growing up, um, I saw my, bo- my father was also abusive towards my mother. And so I had perspective on the institution of marriage like I was, I was talking to you about. But for a long time, I put the blame on my father and I allowed that bitterness to fester. I allowed that bitterness to fester in my life for 25 years. For 25 years, I let that bitterness fester inside of my heart. I couldn't approach my dad. I didn't even want to talk to my dad. I didn't even want to talk to him. Why should I approach my dad? He's my father, right? He's the older one, right? He's the more mature one, right? So I waited and I stood and I said, you know what? It's not my fault. It's really not my fault. So you know what? If there's going to be any reconciliation, if there's going to be any move forward, I'm putting the onus on my dad. He's going to have to make the first step. He's going to have to do it. And then God rebuked me. God rebuked me. He said, stop being childish. Stop being childish. You know what? And God, during that time, in this past year, it's amazing how far that God has brought me in my relationship with my father. But he started changing my heart. You know, when I came to this church and they were talking about sonship, I was like, what the heck is sonship? This is crazy. I don't want to submit to nobody because I have my relationship with God. So I'm a son to God and that's all I need. But Pastor Joseph, he was like the best son ever. He was like the best son ever. And every time I watched him, I was so convicted I moved. And how could you serve Pastor Benjamin that faithfully? How could you serve him so lovingly? How can you always be a yes man? Yes this, yes that. What is it thing, this thing about being a son that allows you that grace and allows you that, that sense of joy in doing it? And I was intrigued. You know how many times when, when the people in around outside, they want to see what we have on the inside. The people on the outside, they want to see the testimony that's inside of our hearts. And I tell you, I was on the outside of the relationship. I was on the outside of the relationship with my father. But when I saw the testimony arising out of Pastor Joseph, I said, I want what he has. I want what he has. But first, I had to deal with the bitterness inside of my heart. And so I came to prayer meeting and I came to this simple conclusion. God, I am bitter towards my father. I don't know what the heck to do. So I said this. I stood before God and I said, God, change my heart. This is a simple prayer, God. I don't know what else to pray. I said, God, would you change my heart? My heart is bitter towards my father. And I've been dealing with unforgiveness, Lord God. I don't even want to approach and talk to him. But I said, God, I see sonship in the life of Pastor Joseph. And I want what he has. So God, would you come and change my heart? You know what? In two weeks, God changed my heart. In two weeks, God changed my heart. I was sitting in the car with my father. And I would see like the, the blessings I was flowing out of sonship. And I said, I want that. I want that. You know what? God has given me that and I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to give it to the enemy. I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of this. So I stood in the car with my father. I had just eaten dinner with him. And God had been placed in my heart that I need to reconcile with my father. And I said, God, I don't even know how to do that, right? Right? I can't even apologize because I don't even really know what to apologize for. He hurt me, right? What am I even supposed to say? And so my father was dropping me off at home. And I spent the whole dinner thinking, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? When do I say it? And as we're sitting in that car, and I was, I was ready to get outside of the car because I didn't know what the heck to do. I said, God, I just want to run away right now because I don't know what the heck to do. And God turned my heart. And so as I was about to go out, I turned back to my father who was in the passenger seat and I grabbed his hand. I grabbed his hand and I said, Father, would you pray for me? 
I said, God, I said, Father, would you pray for me? And my father, my father is actually a pastor and a minister. And so I know that he's been dealing with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame for what he's done in the past and how he's raised us. But I realized that sons do this. I was waiting for my dad to be a father to me. But I realized when sons take their place as sons, they rise up the father to be a father. They raise up fathers to be a father. See, a lot of times we're waiting for the fathers to be a fathers to the sons. But if the sons would just take a hold of relationship and the promise that God has for it, they would take their place as sons. And the sons will elevate their father to a place of fatherhood. And as I, and as I nestled my head, in my, in my father's chest for the first time, I felt my father stutter. As he prayed, his words began to stumble. And I took my place as a son. And then he embraced me as a father right there. He just prayed for me. There wasn't too much emotion. There wasn't too much crying. But I released him through sonship into his place of fatherhood. And I said, this is mine. This is mine. This is my relationship with my father. And I'm not going to let the enemy take anything away from it. You know, first it started with changing my heart and God began to change my heart. And, you know, I feel like God wants to highlight another thing. God wants to rise, raise up a people in the house who have some anger. Does anyone have anger issues? It's not good. But let me tell you, when righteous anger comes upon the house and it wells up in your life, that's a good anger. Because righteous anger comes when you know that something that's yours is being taken away. And in the area of relationships, God wants to raise up a righteous anger for the things that are ours. You know, not too long ago, about, I don't know, about a year ago, um, I had a mice infestation in my house. I'm not, it was disgusting. I'm not going to even lie. I hate rodents. I hate rodents. They make me squirmy and squeamish and they make me want to jump. I know I sound like a girl, but that's cool. Because there's a purpose to this story and I'm going to share it with y'all. And so the mice came into my, and literally like every day I would just, at first it didn't bother me, right? One or two would just run by me. I'd be like, whatever. It's just some mice, right? But then they started coming into my room and then they started to play with my head. I would see them in different places. I swear I was sitting at the table in my dining room. And then for whatever reason, I looked into the kitchen and there in the washer machine, there was, there was a mice and he was just standing there in the racks and he was looking at me. So I stared back at him and I swear he was mocking me because he started doing somersaults inside of the racks and he started doing jumps and he started twirling around. And I was like, this mice, he's mocking me right now. He's mocking me inside of my own house. But you know what? I was scared because as soon as that mice ran, I flinched. I was like, where's that mice? Where's that mice? He's inside of my house and I don't know where he is. But you know, one day I got hit with revelation, praise the Lord. I got hit with revelation. The spirit of God came upon me with the righteous anger. And all of a sudden I said, you know what? This is my house. This is my house. My, you up in my house right now. Why am I scared of you, right? And so they were like dancing and prancing in my kitchen. And I said, oh, heck no. Oh, heck no. And so I got a stick, right? I got the broom. And I started getting filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And I was like, Lord, yes, this is my house. This is my territory. And I'm not going to let you come into my house. And so I, and I got a little scared. I got a little scared. But then the Spirit of God came in conviction and said, this is your house. Do not let the enemy, do not let the enemy come in your house and take what's yours. The enemy comes to lie, cheat, and steal and rob you of what you have. See, the mice, 
They're demonic. They were lying to me. They made me believe that that house wasn't mine anymore. I was living, I was a prisoner inside of my own house. The enemy came, he came into my house and he made me a prisoner of my own house. He cheated me of my space. I was confined to my room in the living room. I didn't want to go anywhere else. I was confined to the couch. I didn't want to go anywhere else. The enemy is robbing you of your territory. He's robbing you of your territory and he's coming to destroy your house. I want to propose to you today that the enemy is coming to lie, cheat, and steal and rob you of your relationships. But God wants a righteous indignation to rise up to take back what is heirs, ours. The area of relationship is our territory. And we got to understand that. Because the enemy, they're prancing around in our relationships. They're having fun in our relationships. They're toying with us inside of our relationship. Those mice were freaking toying with me. They were toying with me, and I let them. I let them dance around in my house. The demonic demons, they're dancing around inside of your relationship. They're having fun. They're having a grand old time. But what God is waiting for the people to rise up with the revelation that, no, this is mine, and I'm not going to let you dance around in my relationships anymore, and I'm going to take it back. And when you rise up with that righteous indignation, it doesn't matter whose fault it is anymore. It really doesn't matter whose fault is it anymore because the enemy will not keep me from the promises of God Amen. that God has laid out in our relationships with one another. Amen. 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 You know, um, the second part of um, Matthew chapter five, verse 23 to 25. I just want to um, highlight that right now as well. It says settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. You know, I know you guys all know this, but I'll just say it again. The longer we wait, the longer we wait for bitterness um, to deal with bitterness and hurt, the more it grows and the bigger it grows and the longer it takes to fester. So God in his infinite wisdom, knowing this, lays out a simple revelation. He says, leave. He says, thank you. He says, leave your sacrifice at the altar and then go quickly. Go quickly, go quickly and make amends. Deal with your hurt quickly because if you let it fester inside of your hearts, if you let it fester inside the body of Christ, it's going to bring division and it's going to rob you of your inheritance. It's going to rob you of your blessings. It's going to rob you of your promise. So God says very clearly, uh, clearly, he says, go quickly. You know, a lot of times when we read the scripture and we read the Bible, I'm going to be real. We take certain parts of scripture, certain part of verses, and we're like, oh, that's a good idea. That's, you know what, that's good. And we take certain scripture more seriously than others. But you know what, God says, go quickly. He says, go quickly. But you know what, we take that as a suggestion. We take that as a suggestion. You know, when we delay the word of God, we turn the very book of life, the word of God, into a book of suggestions instead of commands that come from the Bible. We turn, when we delay, when we take one scripture more seriously than the other, we turn it into a book of suggestions. Don't we? But God says clearly here, he says, go quickly. You know, God, um, continue the work of restoration in the life of me and my father and um, about two months ago, three months ago, he gave me a vision and he gave me a vision and, um, it was just simple vision. I, I don't know why I just saw it. I was, there was my father and there I was at his feet like this. And I was just bowed at his feet and I was just crying and I was just weeping at his feet. And I got that vision and it just clicked to me. Like 
I don't know why, but God wants me to do this. God wants me to go to the feet of, of my dad and, and bow there. And I didn't know exactly what it meant. But as that vision began to come, I actually let it go. I forgot about it. I didn't do it quickly, and I let it go. And then through the grace of God, though, he kept reminding me. I kept getting these words for the past month, at your feet, at your feet, at your feet. And when I looked at scripture, I saw that as people approached the feet of God, that was a place of reverence. That was a place of reverence. As they approached the feet, as they knelt at the feet, that was a place of reverence. And I I knew that God wanted to bring reconciliation and restoration through honor. But not only honor, he wanted to do it through reverence. He wanted to do it through extravagant honor. Extravagant honor. He wanted me to go to a place of reverence. And so God convicted me of this again. And so I, and I went to my dad and what? I need to do this. I need to do this. I don't know what the vision means, but I need to do this. And so my dad came um, last Monday to my house. And um, my dad, um, he kind of has a temper still. A little bit. <laughs> he still got a little bit of temper. And when he came inside of the house, like, I was geared up, right? The Spirit of God is speaking to me. And I'm like, God gave me this vision. This is what I need to do. And I was pumped up. I was like, I'm ready to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to do it. But as soon as my dad came into the house, he was in a bad mood. He was in a bad mood. He was in a bad mood. Like, there was this contractor out of the house, and they weren't doing a good job. So he was looking over all the work, and he was mad, and he was angry. And you know what I said to myself? I said, you know what? Maybe next time. Now is not a good time. Now is not a good time, right? The situation's not right. The circumstances are not right. How can I honor my dad and come into this lovey-dovey kind of a scene when my dad's angry? The situation's not right. But you see, when God says, leave your sacrifice at the altar, he doesn't say, go there and see that the situation's bad and come back and offer your sacrifice. See, a lot of the times, we as Christians allow the circumstances to dictate what we do. But God wants to change us where we change the circumstance. My dad was angry. It doesn't matter. I'm not affected by the circumstances. I'm not afraid of what's going on. I'm going to shift the atmosphere. I'm going to shift the circumstance. So I started conversating with my dad. And he calmed down. He calmed down a little bit. And so I approached my father and I started talking to him. And I just kept on hearing the thing, honor, honor. So I began to honor my dad. I said, dad, you're a good dad. And he looked at me and I said, dad, I thank you for everything that you've done in my life. You've done a good job raising me. And he looked at me and he was like, you know what? He kind of laughed. And he was like, you know what? But I could have done a better job. I know I could have done a better job. And I was like, no, God, I am the man who I am today because everything that you've done in my life. See, my dad wasn't ready to, to receive, receive that honor yet. He wasn't ready to receive that honor yet. And so God instantly reminded me of that vision. God reminded me of that vision. And he put in my place that, David, you're going to honor your dad, but you're going to take it to the place of reverence. You see, in Korean culture, when we honor those who are elders, we bow. We bow just like this. We bow. But see, with your degree of honor, it's kind of the same as how far, how low you go down. How low you go down. You see, there's some people I don't like, but I have to pay honor to them, right? I'm just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And to those people I like, right, who I honor, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. But you see, the degree in which I bow shows my reverence and my honor. You see, in Korean culture, there's just one thing that sons do for their fathers. They get down on their knees and they bow to their father. And you know what? And I had never before done that in my life because I never felt like honoring my dad. I saw other kids doing that to their parents, but I said, that place is reserved for a place of reverence. My dad doesn't deserve that. 
My dad doesn't deserve that place of reverence. That's what I felt in my heart. But God gave me that vision. And he said, take your honor to the place of reverence. And so I got before in front of my dad. And I was just kind of shy. I said, I know this looks funny. But I got down on my knees like this. And I just bowed my head in front of my dad. I bowed my head in front of my dad. The place of honor, the only place that I knew to take my honor to extravagance was a place that I knew I had to go. It was a place that I had to go. And I began to weep at my dad's feet. And my dad came over me. And my dad knelt beside me. And he laid his hands over my head. And he blessed me. And he blessed me. You know, and as I stood up and as I took that place of extravagant honor to my dad, I was making a decision in my mind that this relationship is mine. This relationship is mine. And I'm not going to let it delay any further. God built this, this, this system of relationship with me and my dad. He had intentions for it. But I don't want to live anything less than what God intended my relationship with my dad to be. So I'm going to take ownership of it. I'm going to take ownership of it. And I'm not going to let the enemy take it away from me. So the fastest way to reconciliation is through honor. It's through honor. And I want to encourage you to take that honor to a place of extravagance. It doesn't have to be at the foot. That was just a cultural thing. That was just a cultural thing in which I could display extravagant honor to my father. But God wants to encourage you and challenge you. If there are relationships in your life that are less than ideal and which hurt has taken you away from, God wants you to take ownership of that relationship. And he wants to tell you that first, number one, if it was their fault, if you have bitterness in your heart, ask God to change your heart and he'll do it. He did it in my life. He will change your heart. If you come before God and say, God changed my heart, he will change your heart. And if you want reconciliation, God says, do it through honor. Do it through extravagant honor. Don't delay. Don't delay. And don't wait for the right circumstances. You shift the atmosphere and you shift the circumstances. And God will do it. God is doing it. You know, um... Man, I've just been so blessed by what God has been doing in my life. Um, And he's been doing it in relationships. I can honestly say that where I am today, where I stand, how far I've gone, is simply because of the relationships I've developed with those people around me. And I'm here to, to share with you this word simply because... I have seen the fruit of relationships, and I have seen, this is the word of God. I've been asking God, what do I preach? What do I pray? And God's been consistently highlighting relationships inside of this house, inside of our hearts. Because when we take ownership of this area, when we take ownership of our relationships, we're marching forth into our destiny. When we grab a hold of relationships, we're marching forth into our destiny, which is to love other people. And God wants to release his anointing and blessings, but it starts with relationships with the body of Christ, with the people around us, with honoring our father and mother, to taking hold of that promise, to live long and prosper in the land, in our marriages, where he calls us to be of one flesh and to rule together and take dominion over the earth. God is highlighting relationships in our house. And I want to encourage you today that we need to run. We need to run. We can't delay. We can't delay in our relationships and reconciliation. If we've been hurt, I'm sorry, get over it. Get over it because there's a greater thing beyond that. There's a greener pasture. There is breakthrough on the other side of broken relationships. There is breakthrough on the other side of broken relationships. And God is highlighting that today. So God is saying, run. Run. Run towards reconciliation. Run towards your relationship. Don't let it fester. Don't let it last. Because the enemy, at the end of the day, is simply just robbing you of your inheritance. 
He's simply robbing you of what's yours. Don't let him dance and prance around inside of your house like he did in mine. I hate those rats. I hate those rats. You know what? And I'm equally as zealous for what's mine now. And I'm not going to let the enemy take that away from me. Not anymore. No longer. I'm not going to delay. I'm going to shift the atmosphere. I'm going to shift the atmosphere when I'm bringing reconciliation. And it's brought through honor. And it's brought through extravagant honor. Let's bow our heads right now. Father God, I thank you that your word is true. And I thank you, Father God, that your word has been spoken. And I thank you, Father God, that you are doing a great and mighty work. Lord God, revival is coming to the Bay Area. You are pouring it out over this church. But before we do that, we need to reconcile with one another. Lord God, a broken body, a bitter body will not host the presence of God. A bitter body, a broken body will not carry the fame, will not flan into flame. The Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, you are preparing us. You are solidifying us so that we cannot be taken down. The enemy wants to destroy our relationships, but God is saying, stand strong. Stand strong. I have more for you. I am bringing revival, and I want you to be my pieces. But would you solidify yourself? Maybe some of you here today, maybe there's not a relationship you can think of, but have you solidified that in your heart? Are you ready in your heart? Are you ready inside of your heart? You know, I want to do this first. If there's any of you here today who don't know Jesus Christ and you've heard the message and you've seen what relationship means because what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow God is simply this. And that is to be in relationship, relationship with God and through his grace, through knowing what God thinks of me when he sees me, I in turn begin to love myself. I see myself as God sees me. And then I know that I can love myself because there's a God who loves me. And only then, when I learn to love myself, I can learn to love other people. I can accept them for who they are. I can accept them for who they are. God is doing something in the area of relationships. And he wants to have a relationship with you. If there's anyone in here who wants to have a relationship with God. A God who restores relationships who binds up the brokenhearted, who through the spirit of adoption becomes your father. I want you to raise your hand right now. If there's anyone who has never accepted God as father, as savior, through the blood of Jesus Christ, which comes, which save us, I want you to raise your hand. And if there's no one here, if there's any of you here who wants to rededicate your life to God, He says, God, I want to pursue you again. I want to be ravished by your love. I want to come into relationship with you, God. If there's any of you here today who want to recommit your life to be in relationship with God and with others, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. Hallelujah. So we move forward. And I just want to pray a prayer of blessings. And I want to give the rest of you the time to just pray right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come. And you would come and convict the hearts of your people here today. If there are any of you who are dealing with bitterness, who have let your hurt come in between you and the promise of God, I want you to lift that up to God right now. I want a righteous indignation to rise up in all of you to take ownership of the relationships that the enemy has taken away and say, no more, no longer. 
No longer I'm going to run towards relationships. I'm going to run towards relationships. If there's any of you like that who want to who want to lift that up to God, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. If there's an area in your life, if there's a relationship in your life in which God wants to bring healing and reconciliation, I want you to raise your hand. And for those of you who raised your hand, I want to challenge you today. There's an anointing right now. And there's the glory of the God upon this house. For those of you who raised your hand, I just want you to come up to the front really quickly because we want to stand with you. We want to stand with you in faith. We're going to stand with you in faith. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring conviction. And He's going to bring motivation. And He's going to bring restoration. And He's going to bring healing. And all the lay pastors and leaders, if you just come around and just lay your hands on these sons and daughters of God, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit does a mighty work When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will not delay. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will not delay. The enemy will no longer rob you of what's yours. Not yours. It's yours. It's yours. The promise is yours. It's yours. You're going to take it back. You're going to run without delay. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is upon you. The Spirit of God is upon you to change your circumstance. The Spirit of God is upon you to change your circumstance. The Spirit of God is here. Thank you, Lord. You are a loving God. Lord, pour out your love. Pour out your revelation, God, in the power of your spirit. Yes, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. We thank you that you are doing it. We thank you that you are doing it. We thank you that you are raising up a mighty people. A mighty people who will not be offended. Who takes what's theirs, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 they offended you, Jesus, Jesus, they spat on you, Jesus, they put a crown of thorns on your head, but you said, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do, God, you said, forgive them, for they know not what they do, God, put in us a spirit that says, forgive them, for they know not what they do, they know not what they do, they know not who I am. They know not who I am. God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do, God. Yes, God. You know, in a moment, we're about to release you. And if you want to stay at the altar and linger here, that's fine.
But I just want to release you with a blessing. And so I say that the Spirit of God is upon each and every one of you. He has given you every tool to bring about the reconciliation in your relationships. He has come to strengthen you, and He is strengthening your hearts right now. You will go forth, and you will not delay. You will not delay. You will not let it fester and grow bigger. You will take this ownership of this relationship and you will shift the atmosphere. We will not delay. We stand with you as one body. We will not delay. I will not, 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 not let you delay. I will not let you delay. The Spirit of God says, I will not let you delay. We will go forth and we will take back what's ours. So I release you with every spiritual blessing upon earth and upon the heavens. And I release you in the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit which brings revelation, which brings power, which brings conviction. And in the ministry, the Holy Spirit does it in the name of Jesus Christ, who died for all of our sins. While they spat upon him, while they put a crown of thorns upon their head, while they mocked him, and while they laughed at him, he stood on that cross and he said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord God, make us like you, Jesus. Make us like you, Jesus. I declare that you are like Jesus. I declare that you are becoming like Jesus. You are like Jesus. That is your inheritance. You are like Jesus. Nothing can be taken away from you. Jesus stood up there and nothing was taken away from him. He stood on the cross, pierced. He was dying, but nothing was taken away from him. I declare that nothing is taken away from you this morning. Nothing is taken away from you. So run, run. I release you in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.